good evening. Let's try that again. Good evening. Let's all stand as we worship in song. We're here to follow him wholeheartedly with all that we are. Amen. Let's worship our God. Thank you, God, for just being with us all week thus far. And we just wanted to just say, God, we want to give you everything that we are. We surrender all our lives to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And our life be glorified and this world be glorified. Amen. Praise his name. You may be seated. Father, I ask you today, are you a follower of Jesus? What would your answer, what would your answer be? Are you a follower of Jesus? For real, are you really a follower of Jesus? It's a familiar question. Some of us might have already, you might be saying there, of course, you know, of course I'm a follower. That's why I'm here. But are you really a follower? I'm not asking you if you go to church. I'm not asking you how many classes you're taking this semester. I'm not asking you if you have the best commentary set at home. I'm not asking you, um, you usually raise your hand at the end of the message. I'm not asking you if you own more than three versions of a Bible at home. I'm not asking you if you have the latest worship song as your ringtone. Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you truly understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Imagine with me there's this guy and this girl. I'm going to have Kevin come up. And they're sitting. Hey, look. How many of you see some, somebody sitting maybe at the dinner table, maybe you're out at a date. How many see sometimes they're sitting on the same side of the table? A little bit? That's a little bit more intimate, right? Or they're, 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 they like to be close together. It's, it's different from, from being apart on the other side of the table. Imagine they're sitting down. They've been dating for some, some time, and, and the relationship has been going great. And... But they come to a point in the relationship when they decide to have the talk. You guys know what I'm talking about? The talk, okay? They decide to have the talk, and it's, it's time to define the relationship. Where are we at? They begin to ask, um, where, where do you see this relationship going? Do you think it's time for us to take the next level in our relationship, maybe marriage? Let's give Kevin a hand. Good job. You can go ahead and sit down. And so just thank you, Kevin, for allowing me to, to use you as an illustration. But they, they have the talk. You know, um, there was a point in time when I had to have that talk as well. And I remember it to this day. I was driving down the road, and my 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 wife-to-be was, was, was sitting alongside me, and she goes, well, what's going on? What are we doing? And of course, I'm like any other guy, I had no clue. <laughs> had no clue. And I said, um, we're driving down the road. What are you talking about? And she goes, no, what, what, are you, what are we doing? It's time for us to have the talk. And I had to define the relationship. And we had to figure out where we were going. And since then, we... we we, we decided to um, get married, and since then we talked to our, our parents, and, 
And now I've been married for eight years to my beautiful wife. She's in the back. And we have two beautiful daughters and, and my boy back there, handsome boy, David. He's the one who's the talker. But in order for us to get where we're at now, we had to have the talk. We had to define the relationship. And I believe each and every one of us has to come to that point in, in, our, in our relationship with God where we have to define the relationship. Where are we at? Where are we at? Every healthy relationship needs to reach this point to define it, it, the relationship. Is it casual? Have things, you know, pass infatuation and admiration? Or are they going towards a deeper devotion and dedication? So all throughout the gospel, we read of Jesus having this encounter, having to define the relationship with people. And Jesus began to encounter these individuals, and they, they had to answer the same question. Are you truly a follower of Jesus? So what is a follower? Um, I'm reading this book. Kyle Eidemann, pastor of the fifth largest church in America, says Christians can be defined in two categories, either followers or fans. There's a difference. Many fans have raised their hands and they walked down the aisle to make a decision. But there was really no commitment to follow. But this is not what Jesus is about. This is not what he offers. He's looking for more than just words of belief. He's looking for to see how those words of belief are lived out. Amen? Right? Right? When we decide to believe in Jesus without making a commitment to follow him wholeheartedly, we become nothing more than just fans. Just fans. So what is a fan? A fan is an enthusiastic admirer. A fan is, is, is a guy who sits at the football game uh, with no shirt on, with the big D on his belly, and, and he's there. He's out in freezing temperatures, and he's, he's a fan. He's there. He's the number one supporter. But not once does he step on that field and break a sweat or take a hard hit, right? He doesn't. He's a fan. He, he has all the bumper stickers. He has jerseys posted on his walls. He can name all the players, but he really doesn't truly know them. He yells and cheers, and, and nothing is really required of him but just to cheer. There's no sacrifice. And to tell you the truth, if his team starts losing, and it's very um, probable that if his team starts losing, he'll, he'll, he'll ditch that team and find another team that's winning, right? He's nothing but a fan. He's an enthusiastic admirer. So a fan of Jesus in the same way as someone who's fond of Jesus. They cheer for him. They love his stories. They, they know the right words to say about him. They sing to him. And they even maybe steady his word. Being a fan of Jesus is, is, is quite acceptable. You know, there's many people in our society to say, yeah, I like Jesus. He's cool. The best part about being a fan of Jesus is it's easy. It's easy. You, you won't, you, it won't have to, it won't get in, your, in the way of your dreams or your goals. But can I tell you tonight that Jesus is not interested in having any fans. 
And some, to tell you the truth, some of our churches have, have become full of just fans. You agree with me? They just become stadiums of fans who just love this Jesus. Every week fans come, they cheer for him, and they're in, but they have no interest in really truly following him. I was reminded by my pastor this past week that we as Christians are Christ followers. A better description of Christians is, to, is a Christ follower. But like I said, many of our churches today are just full of fans. They want to get as close to Jesus as they can and maybe get all his blessings and, and his benefits, but they don't want to get too close to where it requires anything from them. So let me ask you again. Are you a follower of Jesus? Or are you a fan? I would like to look, for us to look at two passages of Scripture this evening. And one of the passages is, comes from our, our theme. And both of these passages um, deal with Jesus' ministry in Galilee. At the beginning and at the end. So if you turn your Bibles to Matthew Matthew chapter 4. Matthew is, is, is the gospel, and it's good news. The gospel serves as, Matthew's gospel serves as a connection between the, the message of the gospel and also the story of salvation in the Hebrew Bible. So um, our text comes from Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. Let me have you stand as we read in God's Word. Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. <clears throat> it reads, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So as Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, the gospel writer takes us with Jesus. And I can just imagine Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee. Maybe he picks up some stones, and maybe he's skipping some stones. I don't know. I just like to, to, to imagine that about my Jesus. And he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. And the story could have, um, the gospel writer could have t taken us to... Um, the two brothers, and then said, here comes Jesus. But no, it starts off with Jesus walking along. He goes, and he comes, and he finds Simon Peter and the brother Andrew. He's the one that initiates, and he sees them. They don't see him. He's the one that sees them. He speaks out to them, and he says to them, come, follow me. <laughs> I, these, 
these two brothers had no idea what was going to happen that day. They were just out there doing their business. They were just they were fishermen. They were that was their livelihood. That's what they did. They were they were working for providing for their family. And little did they know what would happen. That this day their lives would be changed. How they saw the world, how they saw God, and how they saw each other would change forever. Jesus called out to these men. He said, come. Come, follow me. The Greek word for follow, hopefully I'm saying this correct, dute. And it's an adverb basically seen quick, here, come on, hey, come on, after me. That's what he's saying. Come on, hurry, quick, come on, let's go. After me. And this is what Jesus was saying to these guys. And it was an imperative command. He's saying, come on, come. Become my disciples. Come after me. His invitation to follow after him. It was a command saying, I need you to come after me. We have this proclamation that we need to spread. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. In verse 20, and this is where I, I want us to really focus on, on their response. These, these uh, disciples, they didn't know what was going to happen. They were just out doing their regular business. They were just doing what they knew what to do. That's all they, their livelihood. And here comes Jesus says, come, let's go, hurry up, after me. And what did they do? Verse 20. At once they left their nets and followed him. Some version says immediately. Immediately. They left. How, how easy was it for these two men just to drop everything for this rabbi? They literally dropped their nets, their livelihood, the safety uh, their, of what they knew. As I began to, we have had some great chapels this week, and I began to look at Simon Peter and Andrew and their willingness and, and to trust and to drop their nets. No questions asked. This is huge. This is huge. Everything. Immediately. This is what true discipleship is. This is what true discipleship is. They didn't ask questions. They didn't, they didn't say, well, where are we going? No, they, left. they dropped everything and followed. The verb followed at the end of that verse is they followed him. Hopefully I'm saying this correct again. Aku Lutheo. Aku Lutheo. And it, this word is used throughout the gospel. Uh, and it's stress in discipleship. It's a special word. Simon, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, they didn't know where they were going, but they just left everything. Verse 21 and verse 22, uh, um, Matthew uses parallels, parallelism again, and James and John were just fishermen as well. They didn't, they, they didn't leave their nets, but what does it say they did? Immediately, they left the boat and their father. When did they go? Immediately. Immediately. Now I want you to turn to um, the Gospel of Luke, Gospel according to Luke chapter 9. And this, in this passage, um, 
Christ is coming to his, his ministry in Galilee. And read it, chapter 9, his, his call is the same. Luke chapter 9, verses 23. He says, then he said to them, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. And what? Follow me. The same word for follow, akulutheo, is used in Luke's gospel. Whoever wants to be my, my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Jesus invites those that want to follow him. It's an invitation for everyone, for him to, them to come after him with a passionate pursuit. They must deny themselves, get rid of the eye, and, and die daily. Take up your cross. You see in, the, in Luke's gospel in chapter 9, uh, Jesus' ministry is coming to an end. He's coming to a point in his life where he's under, he understands what is ahead of him. God's plan is near fulfillment. He sets out towards, towards Jerusalem. He sets his face towards, he's focused, he's nearing his destiny, his mission, his death. His focus has changed. He sees the cross in view. Every step that he takes from there on will be towards the cross. And on his way, later on in that um, passage, he comes across three guys. Verse 57. Chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, verse 30. Chapter 9, verse 57. And it says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he, he said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their, their own dead. But you, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Then still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. The word of the Lord. So we meet this first guy, and, and these, or actually these three guys, and they seem eager to follow Jesus. And, but as Jesus responds back to them, they begin to see how following Jesus is, will affect their lives. So the first guy, see, he approaches Jesus and says, I will follow you wherever you go. That sounds like you and I, right? I will follow you wherever you go. No restrictions, no boundaries, wherever. But Jesus responds, verse 58, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He literally turns to the guy and says, hey, I'm homeless, bro. Are you, are you sure? I'm homeless. And this was, this was a deal breaker for many in that day. Jesus didn't have the, the ordinary comforts of a home. He makes it clear that following him would, wouldn't, would mean that they wouldn't be staying at the nearest Hilton or the Radisson or anything like that. The man says, I will follow you, whatever. But Jesus points to a place that threatens the man's comfort and security. He says, what about there? 
It's much easier for you and I and for fans to say, I want to follow Jesus without making any specific commitments. Students, can I, can I, and faculty and staff, can I tell you that following Jesus will mean that you're going to have to make some changes in your life? Following Jesus means you have to go where Jesus wants you to go. I came here 2008 with my wife. We're driving here, Bible college. I say, we're going to come here. It's going to, I already have a couple of classes underneath my belt, and, and it should take us three years. We'll do it, get it done. I'm not going to take a break. I'll take some summer classes, and I'll be done by 2011. Here comes my senior year. All right, here it comes. It comes the last few months. Okay, we need to put, let, let our realtor know, our, our renter know that we're going we're gonna to be leaving. This is it. <laughs> we have it planned. We're going home. Hmm. But thanks be to God, Jesus had other plans. <laughs> he had other plans. It was there when he, when he revealed himself. He, he asked me, are you willing to follow me wherever? Are you willing to follow me? Uh, are you a follower, JC? 2011, all the way up to graduation day. <laughs> Jesus said, I have a, I have, I'm not done with you yet in Colorado Springs. Are you willing to stay? I had a choice. We had a choice. Go home or serve him. <laughs> Lo and behold, we're still here. Thanks be to God. There's nothing else but to say, yes, God, wherever you want me to go. I can attest to that as a living testament. And there's nothing else like it to serve God. You've all heard of the song, I surrender all, right? I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. But do we truly make that commitment to surrender all, everything? By the way we act, the way we live, the things that we hang on to, we're really saying, I surrender some. I surrender this just this much. We're changing those words. Wherever. Dr. Graves shared with me, shared with us today in Family Chapel that there's some Nazarene missionaries to this day that are going wherever. They're saying yes to Jesus. I will follow you. And because of their saying yes to Jesus, they're, they're being beheaded. I'm like, wow. That moves me. Am I willing to do whatever it takes, wherever? Am I willing to say, yes, God, I'll follow you wherever? But Jesus is saying, what about there? What about there? What about there? The next guy, he says to the next guy, follow me. But the man says, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. But go and proclaim the kingdom. This guy was 
He had a passion. It appears he wanted to accept the invitation. He even said, Lord, which would refer to a slave, would refer to their master as Lord. But the second word that came out of his mouth was, wait, first, let me go. Seems like a reasonable excuse, right? Let him go bury his father. But after, after steady, it was very likely that this guy's father wasn't even dead yet. He was still alive. What he was saying is, let me go, my, let me go bury my father. Uh, wait till my parents die. Not yet, God. Not yet. Not yet. I'll follow you, but not yet. Not now. I'll follow you, but not yet. Is that... I see some of our commitments that way. But Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 4, the disciples, Jesus calls to him, verse 20, he says, at once, immediately. That's the kind of commitment that Jesus is looking for. It's, it's sad to say that we, we treat our relationship with Jesus like the diet we want to start. After this donut, I'll start my diet. Tomorrow I'll do it. Then comes tomorrow. After this meal, I'll do it tomorrow. But no. Jesus is saying, will you follow me? He wants you to make the decision today. The last, the last guy here. The last portion of Luke 9. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replies, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Seems like a reasonable excuse, right? Let the dude say goodbye to his mom and pops. It's all right. But no, cultural practice of that day, saying goodbye to your family meant numerous farewells and it could take weeks at a time. I'll follow you, but wait. Let me go do this first. I'll follow you. I believe that Jesus is wanting you to define your relationship with him. I believe just as that young, young couple that defined a relationship and saying, we're and they had to make, had to talk and define where, where they were at. And I believe God wants to have that relation, that, that conversation with you here at Nazarene Bible College. I truly believe that God has brought you all these miles. Some, some of you are from here. He has brought you here to have the talk with you. Imagine with me, you go to Williamson and you sit down, you go, you get all your stuff, and you say hi to Patty. Where's Patty? Say hi, Patty. Where's Patty? She was here earlier. You go in, and you get your stuff. You get the latest stuff at, at the bookstore. Your, your Nazarene Bible College material. And you sit there, and, you, and you're having your chips, and, and your water, and, and you're enjoying it for a little bit. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. You can recognize him by his blue sash and his sandals. And it's him. 
And it's kind of an awkward moment, and you try to break the ice, and you tell him, can you change that to wine for me? No. But, but he comes to you and asks you, are you truly a follower of me? Where are you at? Are you truly a follower of me? And he has that conversation with you, says, my son, my daughter, this is what it means to follow after me. What will be your answer? Will you give him some excuse, say, yes, I want to follow you, but not now. Yes, I'll follow you, but I don't know about that. I don't know what Jesus has been speaking to you personally about this evening, but I do know a follower of Jesus is someone who goes wherever Jesus goes. A follower of Jesus is someone who says yes to Jesus today. The invitation has been made for you to make the real commitment to follow him. He has invited you to take your relationship with him to the next level. I encourage you. My prayer for you here is that you respond to him. That you would leave from this week of, of, of chapel saying, I am a follower of Jesus. I am not, I'm no longer going to be just his fan. I want to follow him wholeheartedly. Stand with me as we pray. This time is yours. If you're led to pray, come and pray. You can. Thank you, God, for speaking to us throughout the week. We want to answer the call, Lord Jesus. We want to answer the call to follow you with all of our lives. God, we don't want to give excuses and say, not now. We want to say, we'll go. God, if that means that we're, we're, you're going to call us into a deserted place, that means that you want us to, to minister and pastor on a volunteer basis with no pay at all, so be it, God. We want to follow you with all of our hearts. We respond to you. We count the cost of what it means to, to follow you. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us close by singing the, the, a hymn. I have decided to follow Jesus.